You may be seated. If you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 will be in verses 13 to 21 in this very famous section, the feeding of the 5,000. Certainly, uh, most of us in here have, have heard about this or read this or heard a sermon or many sermons preached on this. But whenever we come to a text that is very familiar, we must always make sure we still have, as we could call it, that holy curiosity to hear God speak rather than to assume we know everything. In this text, we're going to see a God who meets anxious people. And at least one of the thoughts that we have in an anxious state is the thought that maybe God will not provide. We're going to see how Jesus responds to this. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. And healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men besides the women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We do look to you, Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. And we look to you who is the only one who can give us what we need in the preaching of the word. It is required of us that we would listen attentively to your word, so we ask that you would give us minds to focus and ears to hear. It's required of us to prepare our hearts beforehand, but we're asking for your forgiveness when we haven't. It's required of us that we examine what is preached to be according to Scripture. So give us the hearts to wrestle with what is said. It is required of all of us that we might believe the gospel. And so we ask that in this moment that you would give us the spiritual resurrection that we need. Provide for us as only you can. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. When John Patton was a missionary in the New Hebrides Islands, he was frequently attacked and persecuted by the cannibals that were in that place. One night, the hostile natives surround his mission's headquarters 
with the intent on burning out the Pattons and killing them. John Patton and his wife, they prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. My friends, have you ever had a terror-filled night? Maybe it is not necessarily a physical fire that might be threatening you, but it is the fires of your conscience that might be threatening you. Have you ever had those moments when you thought that there would be no way that God could provide for you in this situation? Once again, as I like to say, welcome to the club. Because this is the life of the Christian in many instances. We often wonder if God will provide for us when we need him most. It's very interesting that the early church loved drawing the sign of the fish. The fish is certainly one of the more popular signs of Christianity, not more popular than the cross, but the fish was a very popular sign. Why is that the case? The reason why is because this section of scripture in Matthew chapter 14, this instance of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it gave the early church great hope that against all odds, God will provide. God will always provide for his people when they are most needy. And the saying is true. If you don't need it, God won't give it. But if you do need it, God will provide it. That's what we're seeing here in this text. If you don't need it, God won't give it. If you do need it, God will provide it. Maybe you're looking at this text and you might be thinking, how can we know this is true? Well, here's one way. There were at least 5,000, most likely more, about 10,000 to 12,000 eyewitnesses to this. So actually, as we read this, we must keep in mind, it's not a matter of if this happened, because about 10 to 12,000 people saw this with their tangible eyes. The question is, how are you going to respond to this historical fact of what Jesus has done? Let's get into the text. Look at verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. What we see here, first of all, is that God loves to provide for the needy. He loves it. God loves to provide for the needy, and he loves to provide for the needy in desolate places. You actually will see right above this at the start of chapter 14, you'll see maybe that heading in your Bible that says the death of John the Baptist. We have to remember that John the Baptist was not merely the last of the Old Testament prophets, even though it's written about in the New Testament, but he's the last of the Old Testament prophets, but he's also Jesus' cousin. So Jesus, verse 13, he hears about John's death. And when it says that he withdrew from there, that word to withdraw means to avoid danger. No doubt what Jesus is doing, he's not fleeing because he's scared. He's fleeing so that he can preserve the timing of his death and resurrection. The question really here is this, and you can imagine the temptation that Satan might be subtly 
whispering to him this time that if John died preaching the gospel, will Jesus still preach the gospel? Would the kingdom of God still spread under such persecution? See, Jesus withdrew from that place so that he might be refreshed amidst sorrow. We also need to see this about Jesus Christ. Jesus is not merely God. He is God. He is also man. Jesus is true human. You see this because in many different reasons, Jesus withdrew from there so that he could get away, so that he could rest. Jesus would withdraw so that he could spend concentrated effort to refresh himself spiritually. And let us be reminded here, there was no more important leader of any ministry than Jesus. And Jesus had to rest. For your own leaders, wherever they might be, Brothers and sisters, prioritize their godliness more than their giftedness. Prioritize their walk with Jesus before their walk with you. Sometimes that means helping them say no to urgent things so that they can say yes to the most important things. We actually all have to learn this. But especially for those who would shepherd the sheep, who would feed the flock, we must let them say no to something so that they can say yes to the most important thing. Let me also speak to the middle schoolers and high schoolers here. Friends are awesome, right? They are awesome, and there are times, and college students, this is for you too, you need to learn how to say no to school at times so that you can actually get out and be with people. But you also need to learn how to say no to your friends so that you can make sure you spend time with the truest of friends. We all need to make sure we prioritize corporate worship and the community of believers and our personal walk with Jesus. But once again, let us see another very important thing before we really dive into this. Look at uh, the end of the first sentence in verse 13. It says that he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. Desolate place would mean a place that would be uninhabited by people. It would certainly symbolize wilderness or chaos. And doesn't it remind you of something big in the Old Testament? Doesn't it remind you when God's people were also in a wilderness? Well, every original reader of Matthew's letter, they would know that Jesus is not merely going to do a miracle. He is showing that the very God who fed Israel in the Old Testament in the wilderness, Jesus is that God in the flesh. That's what's happening here. Jesus is the Yahweh of the Old Testament here in the flesh to feed his people in a wilderness. It is awesome that God loves to provide for the needy in desolate places, not always in the places where it's easy to feed people. Oftentimes, God will bring us to places where it feels like death so that we can be reminded that we need to rely on him. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1. He says that he went through such trials and tribulations because it... It made them feel as if they were going to die in that moment. And he says, why did this happen? He says, to make us rely on God and not ourselves. My friends, are you in a desolate place? 
good. Because God is teaching you, not always in comfortable ways, but he is teaching you to rely on him more than yourself. He loves to provide for his people when they least expect it. I love the story about Hudson Taylor. It was a stormy night in Birmingham, England. Not Birmingham, Alabama, but that would be really cool. It was a stormy night in Birmingham, England, and Hudson Taylor was to speak to a meeting at Severn uh, Street Schoolroom, and his hostess for the night assured him that nobody would show up because it was such a stormy night, but Taylor insisted on going, and he said, I must go even if there is only a doorkeeper. Sure enough, less than a dozen people showed up, but apparently the meeting was marked with such unusual spiritual power that half of those who were present either became missionaries themselves or they gave their children to be missionaries or they were faithful supporters of Hudson Taylor's missionary in, missions work in China. My friends, when you least expect God to make something out of nothing, you must remember he is the God who makes something out of nothing. That is literally creation. He does not start with what he can work with. He makes it happen because he does not need anyone or anything else. Let us trust him that even in desolate places, he can make something out of nothing. God loves to provide for the needy. He loves to provide for the needy in desolate places, but he also loves to provide the needy with a person. Look at verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, great meaning several thousand, and when he saw this crowd, even amidst how tired he was, he had compassion. I don't know about y'all, but maybe when, if I saw a crowd like this and I was wanting to get away, as soon as I would see them, the natural reaction within, within would be, I am annoyed. If one baby can make me annoyed at night, how might thousands of people make me feel? Let us be reminded... We are so different from Jesus. Because the natural reaction of Jesus, even when he is fatigued, he sees these people who are sheep without a shepherd, and his natural reaction is compassion. That's the type of person Jesus provides. I love what Dane Ortland says. If compassion clothed itself in a human body and went walking around on this earth, what would it look like? Well, we don't have to wonder. Because that is who Jesus is. What does it mean when it says that Jesus is compassionate? It means to be deeply affected in someone's inner being. It actually is a word that is used to describe, and this might sound weird, but the deep movement of the bowels within. The gut reaction is what the Greek is getting at here. And isn't that true because oftentimes when we feel compassion most, we feel it deep within our abdomen? This is the emotion, believe it or not, as B.B. Warfield tells us, it is the emotion that is used most to describe who Jesus is in the New Testament. Have you thought about that? What emotion is used to describe Jesus most? It is compassion. I love when it says that it's very rightly in the English, it says he had compassion, meaning that it was passive. In other words, it overcame him. It was a natural reaction. It was not fake. 
We see here that true godliness is seen in growing compassion for the needy and weak. True godliness is seen in growing compassion for the needy and the weak. That's the type of person who God provides. God loves to provide for the needy. He loves to provide for the needy in a desolate place and with a compassionate person, but he also loves to provide for the needy true healing. It says that he had compassion on them, but he didn't just sit back and say, well, I'll think about you. Well, I'll pray for you. He moves towards them and he heals them. It's interesting that this word for heal is actually where we get the English word for therapy. This word means to improve someone's situation. Now, this does not mean that we need to, the way we think about therapy today, that we read back into what it was back then, but rather we should let the past read forward into what we think about it today. Jesus is there to benefit these people. He's there to cure these people, to help these people, to bring them to safety, to cleanse them, to save them. Even in other instances in the Gospels, it means to help someone stand up. Jesus is there to improve these people's situations. But this physical, tangible example here, Remember that the greater reality spiritually 
this knowledge.
passes all imagination. Jesus is not merely just going to give them a meal, but a meal symbolizes more than food, it symbolizes family. What Jesus is doing here is that he is gathering God's end time family. You see it right here. And he is the head of that family. We see that in Colossians 1, that Christ is head of the church, what Christ is doing here in Stillwater, even through maybe the meager measures that you might have, he is gathering his end time family because he wants to spend eternity with you. Amen? So much of this here in Birds of the Bone, you see how we're looking forward to a messianic banquet. We get a feast in heaven. What an amazing Learned under the 
Jesus Christ here, even in the face of John the Baptist being beheaded, when the kingdom of God is threatened, when it seems like preaching the gospel will not succeed, people are hearing, as it were, as they were, as they were reminded in the Old Testament, that Jesus is the true prophet amidst all persecution. Listen to him. Listen to him and no one else. Listen to him and let God
boxes you. And we drove them over our 